Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's podcast. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's southsidesbc.org. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus and why we serve him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thank you for listening. Amen. Dad, Amen. turn to your Bibles, if you will. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6. We're actually going to be looking at quite a few scriptures this morning. So you should have received an outline in your bulletin. If you did not, if you'll raise your hand, uh, keep it up. One of our ushers will get those to you momentarily. And boys and girls, you may go to children's church now, ages four years old through kindergarten. Boys and girls, four years old through kindergarten. Before we get into the message this morning, I want to uh, share one quick thing with you, some uh, good news that uh, Mark's probably not knowing that I'm going to share with you this morning. That's okay. The youth did just come back from mission trip, heard lots of great things, guys. And uh, despite Mark, you tying up Mark, all right? That's one of the reasons um, I always sleep with one eye open. Um, oh, man. Oh, everybody together. Oh, there we go. I guess they're just some initiation parts of being a youth minister, right, Mark? And that's one of them. So uh, now Mark is going on uh, July, I believe his third, his three-year anniversary uh, here at Southside. And Mark and Nicole, praise God for that. And I want to let you know, Mark finished up his um, seminary degree last December and so forth. And so we are uh, beginning to walk that process of ordination for Mark. So uh, be in prayer for him. We have, uh, I have convened an ordination council. We're going to be meeting within the next month and uh, hopefully uh, bringing back a recommendation for uh, ordination for Mark. So just to let you know about that, that's kind of coming uh, down the pipeline just a little bit. Um, so uh, be in prayer uh, for Mark and uh, during this process. Uh, we're excited at what Mark's done and excited for what God is doing in our youth group. Amen. Had, uh, I believe, three youth get saved this year, and four, four, amen. And so, uh, listen, that's what it's all about. So, um, this morning, I do want to I I talk to you dads, all right? I want to talk to you fathers. Um, it's hard to be a dad in today's world, isn't it? And we need to uh, step up to the plate, I believe, and so many of you who know me uh, know that that is my heart. We're going to be looking at a lot of different scriptures this morning. Uh, but I want to start out uh, by sharing a survey with you, askmen.com surveyed over 2,000 men and asked them, who do you consider your role model? Survey results were then summarized and broken down into four major categories. Uh, First of all, 8% of men said they looked to actors or entertainers as their role model. Now, those are terrible role models, right? So guys, don't, don't let that be you. I don't know that any of these really are great role models, but this is what men say they look to. 24% of men Try to emulate various athletes. I guess some of those are okay, right? Uh, 35% of men look to different entrepreneurs as role models. Uh, Bill Gates, Donald Trump, I don't know uh, who all that encompassed, whatever. But this last one, this last one sounds like a man answered it. 31% of men said, I'm my own role model. I don't need no stinking role model. I'm my own role model. I look up to myself. Doesn't that just sound like a man? (laughs) Just sounds like something we men would say. 
I'm on role model. I'm sorry. I got a kick out of that one. So, Friends, but despite denying the need, I believe we as men do need good role models. We need good role models, especially on how to be a good father. Amen? Now, some of you here this morning uh, may have had a good father's role model. You know what? You need to praise God for that. Amen? You need to praise God if your dad was a good role model for you. Others of you may not have. Okay? And listen, I understand that. You still love your dad, right? Even maybe if he wasn't all that he was supposed to be all the time. But friends, whether you had a good father as a role model or uh, maybe a, a not so good one, we need to learn as men how to be good fathers. I believe it is just lacking on, on a, how a father is supposed to, to act and live and be a good dad. And so if our father fell short, which let's be honest, all earthly fathers do to some degree. Amen. None are perfect. Where can we learn how to be the fathers that we are supposed to be? Well, I believe we need to look no further than that good, good father, our heavenly father. Amen. He's the one we need to look to. He's the best fatherly role model there is. So uh, this morning, with that said, I want us to look at four characteristics that we as fathers can emulate. Four characteristics that, that we see in God the Father that we as earthly fathers can emulate. So look at your outline this morning. Take your outline. Number one. This first one is no surprise, friends. God is a, God the Father is a Father who loves. God the Father is a Father who loves. And let me say, um, you can put maybe right, right above that, who initiates love. Who initiates love. I want to emphasize that point because God is not a father who waited on us to, to, to reach out to him, friends. He reached out to us first. Amen? He's not a passive, uninterested father who refuses to be involved in our lives. He actually initiates love towards us, his creation. Look at your outline, if you will. Uh, I, but you know this verse, right? For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. That's love is active. Love, love takes action. So he so loved the world that he did what? That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So friends, when we were still hating God, when we were, we were hateful to God and we resisted him, we still wanted to do our own thing, friends, before we even knew that we needed God to reach out to us, he'd already taken care of the problem for us. Amen? He'd already had a plan. He'd already put it into place. He'd already sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Friends, he didn't wait for us to come crawling to him and say, Dad, Dad, help us out. Help us out. No, he said, listen, I've already taken care of it. Listen, the price has already been paid. He initiated that love towards us, friends. Romans 5, 8, you know this as well. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. He died for us, friends. He didn't wait for us to initiate the process. He took it upon himself to make the way first. He's willingly taking the initiative in showing his love to us, friends. And I believe that gives us, as earthly fathers, a great example to follow. Amen? I believe it, I believe it does. We need, to be, we need to not be afraid to tell our kids that we love them. I don't know that that's really as characteristic as it used to be. Maybe from your father or, or some of you who are a little older, your fathers, there's, there were many men who just felt like they couldn't say, I love you. Uh, you know, uh, I, I love you. I care about you. I, uh, and, but friends, here's what I want to encourage you to do. We need to be dads that aren't afraid to say that word. Amen? 
So I just want to encourage you, where, how, no matter how old you are as a father, um, if, you've, if you don't tell your kids you love them on a regular basis, you need to do that. You need to tell them you love them. You say, well, well, they see it by my actions. Well, good. I'm glad they do. But you know what? They need to hear it from your mouth as well. They probably need to hear some other things as well that we'll talk about here in just a second. But friends, not only do we need to, uh, need to tell our kids we love them, we need to show our kids we love them. We need to spend time with them. Amen? We need to make time for them. And one of the ways in which we can show them we love them and that we care about them is just simply telling them how much we love them and how much we're proud of them. Do you know that God the Father wasn't ashamed to tell that to his son? Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 11. If God the Father can say this, then why can we not? Mark 1.11 is when Jesus, at Jesus' baptism, God the Father says to Jesus, it says, And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son. I love you, son. I love you. Okay, here's uh, God the Father, first person of the Trinity, speaking to the second person of the Trinity who has existed eternally together. Okay, but, but have that father-son relationship. You are my beloved son. I love you and in, in whom I am well pleased and I'm proud of you. I love you and I'm proud of you. Friends, it is important that we as fathers also show and initiate love to our kids just as God the Father has to us. Amen? I want you to listen to what a man by the name of Steve Smith, no relation, uh, wrote in his book, The Jesus Life, about missing this from his father. He said, one of the deepest memories I have of my father is when we would eat breakfast together. We'd each pour a bowl of cornflakes and sit at the same table. But my father's mind would wander beyond our kitchen while I was in his presence. He says, I called it the cereal stare. It was a stare that I can easily picture, he says, even now in my mind. He emotionally left the breakfast table and was evidently chewing on the day's concerns at work. That, would, that look would overtake my father's eyes as his mind wandered to another place. Anybody been there, done that? Listen, we've all had those moments. He says, uh, where his mind wandered to another place, a place of work deadlines, maybe problems with a colleague, a crisis that he claimed his mind and heart, possibly even unfulfilled hopes and dreams. My father sat in this stare while I looked on, always just an arm's length away, but never invited into this distant land. He rarely asked me a question. We discussed no topic. We would just sit and eat in silence. He says, now I realize the pain I was in. Just wanting so badly to connect to my dad, to be seen, to be noticed, to be loved by him. He goes on to say, we as fathers simply must learn to do more than simply eat cornflakes together and call it a family meal. Guys, we need to learn to initiate a relationship with our kids, to initiate love. Uh, Listen, don't be afraid to initiate that. Many of you have heard me talk about my father, and uh, he and I had a good relationship, even though he was not the best role model by a long shot. Um, we always had a pretty good relationship. Uh, didn't mean we didn't fight. Okay? Everybody fight with their dad? Men, guys? Okay? Uh, didn't mean we didn't fight, but my dad um, had a... Um, I have a half-brother and a half-sister who were estranged from my dad um, for many, many years. And um, the one thing that I never could understand from my dad is he always said, he said, I love them. He said, but if they want to speak to me, they know where I am. Dad, you need to initiate that love. 
I believe it's our responsibility, guys, to initiate love with our kids. Now, listen, I understand there may be relationships where um, that love isn't reciprocated and maybe there's things that maybe there needs to be an apology said. Genuine, heartfelt, you know what, I've messed up. Wasn't the father I was supposed to be. Whatever that is, friends. But uh, I believe we need to be like our Heavenly Father and we need to be initiating love towards our kids. Amen? Not only that, number two, friends, not only is God a father who loves, but God the Father is a father who is faithful. He is faithful. Oh, do we need faithful fathers today? Amen? Unfortunately, many fathers today think nothing of abandoning their family, their families when things get tough. They'd rather go do what they want to do or go do what makes them happy instead of rather than be there for their kids. But very simply put, kids need their fathers. Can I even say this? I know many of, as Mark and Brendan have already alluded to, maybe your father's gone on to be with the Lord or if you lost your father. Listen, I'd say as grownups, we need our dads. Amen? Uh, listen, you know that your relationship with your father changes through the years, but, but you, we need our fathers. They need, uh, our kids need to know that dad will always be there for them. Daniel Amnius, a former professor at California State University and a leading proponent of the father's rights movement, wrote this. He said, fatherless families generate far more delinquency and personality disorders than do normal or motherless families. The ratio of delinquent children living with no father compared to those living with no mother is about three to one. I read an article just in the past couple of days in USA Today newspaper. Maybe some of you read it as well, talking about uh, the the research as, uh, the, and the need for fathers, which was kind of unusual, I thought, for uh, the liberal USA Today newspaper. But Sean Roseman wrote this just a few days ago. He said, studies show that children with involved fathers, stepdads, or father figures are less likely to get in trouble with the law. They tend to do better in school and are more likely to hold down a job. He also says that sons without involved fathers are three times as likely to end up in the juvenile justice system than sons with attentive fathers. Guys, we need to be faithful. Let me speak just a moment here to, I know there's some here in our, in our, uh, in our congregation that maybe, maybe you're a, you're, you've been a single mom. Maybe dad, uh, uh, the father of your children, has abandoned those kids. Listen, um, God can give you an extra dis- dispensation of grace in those times. Amen? Uh, you, you say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because I lived it. Okay? My dad wasn't physically absent, but he was emotionally and otherwise absent many times and so forth. And I know the grace that God can give in those situations. So what do we do? We lean on the Lord. Amen? We lean on the Lord to, to, to be the Father in those times. Friends, when we look at God the Father, we don't see someone who runs and hides or abandons his family, right? We see a father in whom we can put our trust. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Now, how can we do that? How can we hold on so strongly to our faith? Is it, is it, is it the matter of how, how, how strong we hold on? That's not it at all. Look at the last part of the verse. For he who promised is faithful. We can hold on to our faith because our faith doesn't depend on us. It depends on God. He's the one who is faithful. Amen. He's the one who will never leave us nor forsake us, who is always there for us. Look at Hosea chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. God says, I will betroth you to me forever. 
Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. Uh, the word loving kindness is, 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 that's a word that's translated, um, that, that's used all throughout the Old Testament to translate the Hebrew word chesed, all right? Now, you say some of these Hebrew words, you got to get a little phlegm in the back of your throat, all right? Chesed. Can you all say it with me? Chesed. All right. And, and here's why, why that's important, because even though it's translated loving kindness in the Old Testament, uh, the word is so much richer than that. Uh, my Hebrew professor in the seminary translated it this way. And, and I love this. I just love this meaning. He said it really speaks more of God's covenant faithfulness. I want you to think about that, that God made a covenant with us. And that covenant is such when he made that covenant, he is not going to break it. It is something that he is faithful to forever. It is his covenant faithfulness. And so, friends, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we put our faith and trust in him and we become his child. He, we, we, we are his child forever. Amen. He is the faithful one that we can always lean on and trust in. He said, it goes on in Hosea chapter two. He says, I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. Friends, we can trust in our heavenly father to always be there for us. And the same needs to be true for us as earthly fathers as well. We need fathers who can be depended on. Now, here's the deal. Guys, we need to accept a truth. All right. And this is a truth that I believe many, uh, many men in our world today and in our country have just not been willing to accept. Being a father involves responsibility. It involves responsibility. And I believe one of the reasons that our country is lacking is because there are a lot of men who have shirked their responsibility. A lot of men are willing to take responsibility physically for their families, maybe protecting them and taking care of them and providing for. But guys, it's not just physically. It's taking responsibility for our families physically and spiritually. God puts the onus on us men. What does it mean for us as men to be called the leaders of our home? It means that God is going to hold us responsible. Now, are there times at which uh, women, uh, maybe the mom or, or, or single mom step up to the plate? Absolutely there are. And praise God for them. But guys... Listen to me. God's going to hold us responsible for the well-being of our family. Author Clayton Barbeau defines the essence of fatherhood. He says the notion of responsibility is at the crux of true fatherhood. The conscious sense of responsibility for the physical and spiritual well-being of others is the mark of a true father. Guys, there are a lot of ways in which we just need to grow up. Amen. Now, listen, please don't misunderstand me. Some, 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 some guys resist growing up because they don't want to be a, don't want to be a dud. Okay. Uh, you know, my wife and I joke about this, that um, all men are, are really just 12 year old boys in a man's body. Okay. And there's a sense at which that is true. All right. And if you know me, um, there are certain ways and things I joke around with my kids that I'm not going to joke around with you with, okay? Um, but I'm going to joke around with my kids. I love to have fun, all right? And there are times for joking and, 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 and kidding around and stuff like that. But there are also times when we need to take responsibility, amen? We need to take ownership of our families. 
We need to take ownership of, 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 of where they are spiritually, guys, and God will hold us accountable for that. Look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but what? Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Guys, that is our responsibility. The problem, too many fathers have shirked their God-given responsibility. They've left those responsibilities for other things, whether it be at work or pleasure, and many have left it to their wives. But guys, here's what I want to tell you today is it's time for that to stop. Amen? It's time for that to stop. It's time for us to step up to the plate, to accept the responsibility that God has called us to have. Why, 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 do, why do men need to lead? Is it because women can't? No, not at all. Not at all. But it's because men are willingly step to the back and will let others lead. Why can't we do that, pastor? If others are willing to lead, because God calls us to step up and to love others. God calls us to step up and to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel. There's responsibility that is placed on our shoulders. It's time for us as men to step up, accept responsibility for our families, accept, accept responsibility for the family of God. Amen? And be the faithful fathers that God has called us to be. God the Father is a father who loves. He's a father who is faithful. Number three, God the Father is a father who deserves respect. He's a father who deserves respect. You say, that's exactly what I want, Pastor. I wish, I wish my family would respect me more. Uh, well, if that's what you want, friends, then you need to earn it. Amen? Now, should your family respect you? Absolutely, they should, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, respect your dad. Respect your fathers. But guys, let's be respectable. You know, there are many people that don't respect God today. I get that. They don't have a relationship with him. They don't maybe never... Con- encountered the uh, the true God, then, then I get that, friends. But when we understand who God really is, when we get a glimpse of who he is and his holiness and his righteousness, and, and we cannot help but to fall on our knees in awe and respect. Amen? I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 6, where you opened your Bibles to earlier. Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah, God gives him a vision of heaven. And Isaiah comes into the presence of the Lord. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, In the year the king Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So here Isaiah is ushered into the presence of God. You know, there's songs out there today, and it's fine to wonder, what are we going to sing when we come into God's presence? But let me just tell you something, friends. What's going to happen when we come in God's presence? We're going to fall on our knees in the presence of an awesome, holy, wonderful, perfect God. Look how Isaiah responds. Verse 5, he says, Woe is me, for I am undone or uh, uh, cut off. I am, I, I am unclean I am because I am a man of unclean lips. 
I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So how does Isaiah respond? He responds in humility. Seeing God's holiness drives him to a respect for God, so much so that he can't even look at him. He recognizes his own sin and his his own need. Friends, we need to live our lives in such a way that we give reason for others to respect us. Amen? Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. Peter writes, But as he who called you is holy, God is holy, he's set apart from all creation, from anything that is profane. It says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So just as Isaiah came into God's holiness and it caused him to to, to, to realize that he wasn't all that. God calls us to be set apart. God calls us to be different than the sinful world around us. It says, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. So as we have a holy God, we need to have a healthy fear of him. Amen. We need to have a healthy fear of God. We need to respect God. We need to respect his laws. We need to respect the fact that we're all going to ultimately answer to him. Amen? In a similar type way, men, God says, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Friends, we need to live our lives in a way that engenders respect from our kids, from our children. Uh, Fathers, you want to know how to gain the respect of your children? Live holy lives before them. Live a life that is fully dedicated and consecrated to the Lord. Uh, Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be one thing here on Sunday morning and something else throughout the week. Let them see in your lives every day you living for Jesus. Uh, Live out your faith genuinely. Live a life of integrity before them and before God. And guess what? And then they and the rest of the world will respect you when you live for him. Timothy Dalrymple, editor of Pathios.com, was the NCAA's top-ranked gymnast as a sophomore at Stanford University until a broken neck ended his career. In God's providence, that disaster opened up opportunities for him to deepen his faith and also for him to earn a Ph.D. at Harvard University. While lying on his back, looking up at the ceiling, Timothy said he had plenty plenty of time to think. He says that even as a child, he says, I had a philosophical bent and spent a lot of time thinking about all sorts of those ultimate questions, especially the question of whether there is some sort of existence beyond death. I don't know which one I found more terrifying, he says, that there would be some existence or that there would not. Yet, when asked what helped him to come to faith in the Lord and what helped him to grow in his faith, it wasn't his exploration of philosophical questions that he cited but a personal relationship and the example of his father. His father, the example of his father is what drew him to the Lord and helped him grow in his faith. He described his father as not only a pastor, but also a genuinely loving, faithful, and righteous person. He said, I saw in his life something undeniably true that I could not explain away. Friends, like our heavenly father, Like Timothy Dalrymple's father, we need to be fathers who gain our children's respect. Amen? We need to be fathers that that, that live it out 
that are a role model for our kids. We look to God the Father and we let him and his characteristics come through us. Amen? Number four, not only is God a father who loves, not only is he a father who is faithful, not only is he a father who deserves respect, but the fourth characteristic I want to share with you that we need to emulate from God our Father is that God the Father is a father who put it all on the line for us, who made a sacrifice for us. He was willing to sacrifice his one and only son for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Friends, God allowed his son, second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, to step out of heaven to come to earth. He lived a sinless life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, but he allowed him to go to the cross and to suffer, be humiliated, and die so that we could have life. He loved us that much. I don't know about you, but I'd have sacrifice. You know, there's a lot of things we might do, but sacrificing your son, God did that for us. What an example, friends. What love he showed towards us. The problem is too many fathers today are more concerned about themselves and their own well-being than they are about their family. They're more concerned about their happiness, maybe their job, their toys, their time with the guys, than about their own family. I want you to just think, what if we had a country full of fathers who were willing to do whatever it takes to lead their families in the ways of the Lord? What if our fathers would stand up and do that? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, just just giving your kids everything they want. You know, that's not what this is about. It's not about, oh, I need to be a better dad. So I need to buy my kids more stuff. I need to do more for them, all this, whatever. I'm not talking about giving them everything they want. I'm talking about giving them you. Giving them you. That's what God did for us. He gave us himself. Your time, your energy, your attention your genuine concern for their physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being? What if all all the fathers in here took responsibility for their kids in those areas? Your willingness to lead them as God has called you to do, friends, listen, that's what will make a difference in their lives for all eternity. Amen? I want to close this morning with a story that I um, ran across this week that I believe illustrates the need for fathers and what happens when fathers are absent. And let me say, when I talk about absent fathers, I think you've kind of gotten the gist of this more. I'm not just talking about physically absent. I'm also talking about absent fathers who have just checked out. Maybe in the building, but they're not in the building. You know what I'm saying? The TV show 60 Minutes ran a segment uh, quite a few years ago that speaks uh, to the importance and impact of fathers in our lives. Park rangers at a South African wildlife preserve became concerned when they discovered that 39 rare white rhinos had been killed and killed and slaughtered within the confines of their park. Everyone wondered who in the world would do such a thing? Who would kill all of those rhinos? Many uh, speculated that poachers must have done it. But when they came to find out what happened, it turned out that the rhinos weren't killed by poachers or anything like that, as maybe some expected, but rather they were killed by juvenile delinquents. 
But hold on just a minute. Not the kind of juvenile delinquents you're probably thinking. Instead, they were killed by juvenile delinquent teen elephants. True story. Story began almost a decade prior when the park could no longer sustain the increasing population of elephants. So, trying to figure out what to do with too many elephants, park officials decided to kill off many of the adult elephants, particularly the males, whose young they thought were old enough to survive and take care of themselves without their parents. And so, because of this, the young elephants grew up fatherless. Maybe we don't think about that in that realm, but as time went on, Many of these young elephants began to roam together in gangs, if you will, and began to do things elephants don't normally do. They began throwing sticks and water at rhinos. Kind of funny, isn't it? They began acting much like neighborhood bullies. Without dominant males, the young bulls even became sexually active, producing excessive testosterone and exhibiting aggressive behavior. A few young males even... It grew especially violent to the point where they would knock down some of the rhinos and even step or kneel on them, actually crushing the life out of them. One of these teen elephants by the name of Mafuto, who had become the gang leader, even had to be killed. Park rangers theorized that these young teenage elephants were actually acting badly because they lacked role models. The question was, what could they now do about it? So they racked their brains, thought back and forth, and they finally came up with a solution. The the solution they came up with was to bring in a large male elephant to lead these teenage elephants and to counteract their bullying behaviors. Sure enough, it wasn't too long before the new male established dominance and put the young bull elephants in their place. The killing stopped. The young males were mentored, saved, and order was restored to the preserve. Friends, I don't know about you, but that story sounds awfully familiar to what has happened in our country today. Amen? I wonder, I wonder if the solution to many of the problems we face in the United States today is that we just need men and fathers to step up and take their rightful place. Guys, Accept, let's accept the responsibility that God has called us to. Amen? Let's begin to act like our Heavenly Father and allow His characteristics to shine through us. Listen, when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, friends, God changes our heart. He changes our focus. He changes our desires. And guys, if you've never come to that place before, I invite you to do that this morning. Maybe you come to realize, you know what? I haven't been the dad the father, the man that I need to be. Listen, it takes a man to admit that and to humble himself before the Lord. Say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I want to live for you the rest of my day. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes with me right now. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're at that point. You realize that maybe you haven't done, lived up to being the the man that God's called you to be. Would you confess that to him? You say, Lord Jesus, I've fallen way short. 
I'm not the man you've called me to be. Lord, please forgive me for that. Maybe you need to just name it right now. Name it and claim it. Name the areas in which you've sinned against God and the way you've tried to do things on your own. God, I recognize my need for you. I ask you to forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. I want to allow you to be the leader so that I can be the leader that you've called me to be. Heavenly Father, Lord, you know what's going on in the hearts of each one of us here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would draw us to yourself. Help us come to surrender to you, Lord. Surrender to your lordship in our lives. Help us as men be willing to swallow our pride, swallow whatever it is we think keeps us from just submitting to your lordship and leadership in our lives. Lord, you take control. Help us to be the men that you've called us to be. Lord, I thank you for each one here today. Draw us closer to you. Help us, Lord, surrender ourselves to you today. In your name we pray. Amen.